The following is a Barrett Sports Media production. Every sports media star has a story. From the highs... We are number one. We just grabbed every key demographic. <laughs> to the lows... You're fired! The path to success is always different. To help you learn more about the industry's top broadcasters, Barrett Sports Media brings you the Sports Talkers Podcast. Now, here's your host, Stephen Strong. Hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. We took off last week due to obvious reasons, but we're so, so happy you're joining us today on the Sports Talkers Podcast. Stephen Strom here. Tim Brando joins us today. He calls college football games on Fox, calls college basketball games on the network as well. He's been at ESPN, CBS, and now obviously Fox. He's become a staple at the network, so he's been around the sun here a couple of times, and he shares today his journey broadcasting his first high school game at the age of 14, the relationship he has with Spencer Tillman, his analysts, and we also get into who's got next in broadcasting. It's always good to hear who's got next from someone like Tim that's been in the industry for so long because, hey, when he says it, you know, you got to listen. So uh, as always, rate, subscribe, and review Sports Talkers Podcast. Make sure to check out BarrettSportsMedia.com. And without further ado, here is Tim Brando. I guess we'll first start here. Just talk to me a little bit about your journey to sports broadcasting and when you kind of felt like, all right, this is where I want to go. I don't recall not knowing that. Uh, I really was born feeling that I was going to do that, you know, with a father that was putting television stations on the air and had live local programs in those days in the early, uh, the late 50s and early 60s. Everything was live. There was no videotape until a little bit later on in the 60s. And you know, just watching him do those three shows and smelling um, uh, the aftershave uh, in, the, in the mornings when he was going into the television station, then watching him and going, wow, you know, I want to do that. Uh, and then and then uh, expanding as a young adolescent into sports and watching Kurt Gowdy and, and, and Chris Schenkel and, and Jim Simpson and Ray Scott and and all of the great broadcasters, Jack Buck of that era, and saying, gosh, I want to be like those guys. I don't remember not knowing that this was what I was going to do. It was as if I was born to do this. And and I, I guess I've just followed through on that because, and it's a good thing because I really had nothing else to fall back on. <laughs> I was motivated fear because it's all I can do, you know, and, and I think maybe sometimes that's, um, uh, that, that motivates you. You know, yep. that, oh my God, what am I going to do if I don't do this? So uh, starting as a, a broadcaster of high school football games with my dad when I was in the ninth, well, eighth grade, uh, eighth grade, I quit How football. old is that? Is that 13, I was 14. 14? I was 14, yeah, uh, with my dad. And uh, it was pure nepotism. But when the red light came on, you know, nepotism goes out the door. It's like, <laughs> get, get it done. <clears throat> people around the country don't know really how many second generation broadcasters there are. I've oftentimes said that the hits that uh, Joe Buck has taken and other broadcasters who had famous fathers, a lot of us have uh, famous fathers in our locales. You got to love the business you're in. You got to yeah. understand uh, the business you're in and, and the people that are around you to help make your job uh, as much fun as it is. And, and I think that, our generation, the baby boomers that came up, I think have a, a greater appreciation perhaps. I have a question about just younger broadcasters and and what you did, I guess, specifically to put yourself 
in a really good position early on to set up the success a little bit later? I think I outworked people. I, I think I outworked a lot of people uh, that were my and Give age. us examples of that. Well, when I went into Baton Rouge shortly after I got married uh, in 1978, and probably I was one of those guys that needed that uh, because I understood the business and had worked on the air since I was 14, things had come a little maybe too easily for me for a period. You know, I worked through uh, my high school days calling high school football. I worked in college uh, as a disc jockey, uh, got my uh, <clears throat> my radio uh, operator's permit, my third class radio operator's permit, which you had to either drive to New Orleans <clears throat> to the federal building there or to the one in uh, Dallas to get it uh, updated. I did that as a sophomore in high school and I did it again while I was in college. And, and uh, if you didn't have that license, you could not operate a board, a radio board yep. uh, uh, as a broadcaster. So uh, that was important to do. Uh, but I think maybe things did come a little too easily and I needed a wake up call. And after I got married, that was the wake up call because I was now responsible for someone other than myself. But when our first child was born in 1983, uh, we were still trying to get that first house. I was yeah. still hustling and I was working for anybody. that You would. had that motivation. Yeah. Yeah. I had the motivation. So I had a radio job in Baton Rouge in 1979. I was spinning records, but I told the boss, the general manager, I said, listen, I uh, there's not one sports talk radio show in this town, and you've got one of the biggest universities in the SEC. I'd like to do that. And, my, and the, the general manager was also the owner. You know, there were a lot of um, individually owned radio stations in those days. They weren't, you know, there, this was long before Clear Channel and Cumulus and all that. So I went out, found a sponsor. And uh, he built a little talk show studio where people could come in and be interviewed. And it was the first sports talk program uh, on radio in Baton Rouge in 1979. And, and how uh, old were you at this time? I was uh, 23. I just turned 23. Oh, my gosh. And married at 22, got that job at 23. And then as I'm, as I'm doing this, uh, I'm going to, to the LSU campus and I am – giving coaches of all their sports, whether it was uh, gymnastics or swimming, uh, wrestling, uh, women's volleyball, I was giving all these these sports coaches a chance to be exposed yep. on radio every night. And I made myself relevant to them. And as a result, uh, they couldn't get away from me. I was uh, somewhat annoying, but they also wanted the press. You know, they also wanted the publicity. All these things started coming my way. Yep. And then by 1980, the end of December of 1984, I got a call from ESPN. They needed someone to replace Jim Simpson on a basketball game on January 5th, 1985. I still have the check stub. And when I write my book, you'll be able to see it. I got $300 for it. Uh, Duke in Virginia, January 5th, 1985. So cool. And my life changed after that. And, um, and that was right when the Supreme Court ruling had come out in favor of the universities of Georgia and Oklahoma to allow cable to uh, carry live uh, college football up until that time, everything had been tape delayed. And so I became the slash host sideline reporter uh, in 1986 for CFA primetime. Uh, Mike Patrick was our play by play guy. I was on the sidelines and, uh, but I hosted the show, began the show and uh, my life changed at that point. Uh, the moment I moved, to Connecticut. And that's where the journey really took took shape. And we've been on this ride ever since. All right. Let's talk a little bit about Spencer Tillman, because you've had some opportunities to move forward with uh, yeah. other 
analysts and um, why have you stuck with Spencer Tillman? What is it about him? Uh, we, we just love each other. I mean, that's the best way to put it. I don't know that there's ever been an analyst I've ever worked with that I didn't really love working with. Okay. But it's special with Spencer because we're, we're not just colleagues. We're not just comrades. We're confidants. You know, I can say anything to him and he can say anything to me. If I'm, and I've listened, I'm still a work in progress. <laughs> uh, there are going to be times because I'm uh, opinionated and I always have been, I say what I see, but I also say what I believe should be seen. <laughs> and and uh, there are times when uh, he's reined me in, uh, taken me aside and said, you know what? It's not landing right, Tim. You need to think about this. And, you know, that's what real friends do. Um, they tell you difficult truths. And I'll listen to him. Um, and, and conversely, uh, he'll, he'll listen to me. And a lot of my stuff, especially early in his career was broadcast tips, things that he maybe did that, that he could, that he didn't notice, but I did, and that it could make him better on the air. I'm eight years older than Spencer, but he's got wisdom of someone beyond 10 years older than me. We were connected by accident. He was working at WABC doing weekends. Lou Holtz got the South Carolina job. He left after my first year doing the studio on uh, Saturdays at CBS. The, um, the old CFA Saturday afternoons turned into the SEC on CBS. I was with Lou Holtz and Craig James. Craig went up to work with the NFL people the next year. Lou went to South Carolina, and we needed somebody. And our executive producer at the time, Terry Ewart, put uh, Spencer and I together, and we we, we cooked Thanks. from that point we were uh, together and have been together after this season for uh, 25 of the last 26 years. Wow. That's and at two different networks in both the studio and in the booth. Tim, you've been around this game for a while. Who's got next in broadcasting play by play specifically? Oh, wow. Yeah. We're, we're, there's a lot of young talent uh, that's really, really good. And I think it's because the job now, uh, so there's so many opportunities now with all these games being broadcasted. But I, I will also caution young people that, yeah, there are a lot more jobs, but there are fewer great jobs, okay? A lot of guys are getting jobs, but it, it, it's like a dead end. You're doing this level of game, and you may not have an opportunity to move up because old guys like me, and <laughs> I'll put – I'll put I'll put Nestler, who I think I'm maybe two months older than, and and Sean McDonough, who is one of my best friends in the business, is about six years my junior. I think he just turned sixty, but we don't want to leave. You know, we love what we do. So the, it's it's I couldn't move up into the booth uh, at CBS because Vern didn't want to leave. Uh, but I do think there are guys that are exceptional that are already there doing sure. really big. Joe Davis came to Fox uh, the same year I did. Uh, Joe is impeccable on baseball, absolutely tremendous, and was more than ready uh, for the opportunity when Joe Buck left. Uh, same is true of Adam Amin, who I met when he was just coming out of Valparaiso and doing a Division II Elite Eight game for the NCAA uh, as I was getting ready to do the national title game for CBS uh, the second weekend in March. And what a great young fella he is, and superb pipes. You know, not all broadcasters – young broadcasters, the, the timbre in the voice that's necessary. I think that's a byproduct of not having to go through radio. 
you know, when you're in radio, you learn how to use your voice as an instrument. Yep. You know, how to rise, have your voice rise to the level just above the decibels of the crowd. Uh, when you're coming straight from school into TV and, and working primarily in the studio, I don't think you hone the art form of, of play by play the way you should. Um, and there's a, there's a tendency, I think now in our business to hire more visible and perhaps popular talent because they've been in the studio, but they're not ready to be in the booth. Mm. You know, not everybody can do both. Well, um, Bino Cook once said of me uh, in the book, John Lucas wrote that I was a five tool talent. That's the greatest compliment I think I've ever received. And I didn't know Bino would say, he, he, he never said it to me while he was alive. Yeah. <laughs> I read the book to find it out, but God bless him. But I think that there's very few people that can excel Stephen in both the studio and in the booth. Uh, but these two guys I just mentioned, Amin and Davis, are exceptional talents. Their judgment in their late 20s and early 30s is incredible. And they mm. worked, you know, minor league baseball when they were young. They they proved themselves. They went so through it. Yep. Not like they just got these jobs. They work really hard to get where they are. And and that's that's fantastic, I think. There are, there are some others out there that are really, really good uh, that are coming up that are young. But I think that the voices to me today are not as important in terms of the hire. It, it seems to me that uh, in some circles anyway, in our business, uh, executives are going more for uh, people they think the audience knows, okay, from having mm. been in the studio, as opposed to, man, that's a great voice. That guy really gets it. And his judgment is fantastic. Um, I, I, again, I don't mean to seem like a tout for the company I work for, but I think uh, without question, those two come to my mind. And Jason Benetti, who just joined us, who's he's doing fantastic. Uh, yeah, he was doing he, Sox he, games. He is like, he's incredible. His voice is off the charts good. And uh, his story is also unique and 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 wonderful in so many ways. I um, I had gotten to know Jason early on in his career. I'm happy to report that uh, guys like Adam uh, from time to time and a few others called me and asked me about career decisions that they might be uh, taking a look at. And I did give them advice um, and it worked out. Uh, sometimes you can get caught up doing a bunch of games and you're thinking, well, yeah, but is anybody listening to me? Is anybody really hearing this? And um, in each case, especially for Adam, I said to him, you know, I think the, maybe you, you love Chicago, right? You love, he said, yeah. And I said, well, you know, get a job with a team uh, and then, you're going to get a lot of reps that way. And I guarantee you, you'll get a big time gig at Fox. It'll happen. And a couple of years later, boom, there it is. He's, he's making it. And um, so I, I believe in pouring into the young broadcasters out there. I really do because Kurt Gowdy poured into me. I think there's a responsibility and a, and a level of accountability for the generation before to help those that are coming up that you really respect. And I respect every one of those guys. All right, Tim Brando, everyone. Thanks, everyone, for listening and checking in. Uh, we will be back next Thursday, as always. Make sure to check out all the other content on the network, BarrettSportsMedia.com. We got multiple podcasts now. JB is doing a show. Of course, Brady doing his producer's podcast. We're rolling it out for you guys. Have a great rest of your weekend, and we will talk to you next Thursday here on the Sports Talkers podcast.